up, Mrs. Hales. Eric is going to read from Luke chapter 14. If you've got a Bible there, uh, we're going to start from verse 1, even though the focus this morning is from verse 15 to 24. So Luke 1 to 24. And before, you, before Erica reads, it's great to be back. Thanks for having us. It's always lovely walking in here. You're also friendly and uh, it's just a reminder of uh, the goodness of God when we come here. So, thank you. Uh, and yes, we had an awesome time. Erica, Luke so, 14. Luke 14 from 1. Okay. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, If one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honour at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honour for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you'll be honoured in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbours. If you do, they might, might invite you back and say so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but still there is room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Is that the end? That's it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, God, for your word here. I'll just turn this off. Yes, help us understand it. It's a good story though, isn't it? Have you heard it before? Quite a few of us, yes. If you haven't, buckle up. It's a great one. Uh, and 
not the least because it's about food. Uh, before I get distracted by food, how about I pray? Uh, Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word and for this particular part of your word, this story. And uh, we do pray that your spirit would be at work amongst us as we reflect on these words, as we uh, consider what you might want to say to us and what you might want to change in our lives. And uh, for the sake of your kingdom, we pray. Amen. So yes, food. We'll get back to food. We've, we're in February now, as John's been reminding us. Uh, but it's not that long ago that uh, it was the whole Christmas, New Year. We just had Australia Day. Uh, usually that involves times of eating together, you know, Christmas lunch, uh, all the good things. Um, when you go overseas, when you do a trip, one of the things people always ask you about is the food. Uh, the food was good. Uh, the best food, at risk of offending people who might be aligned with different places, probably was Spanish. Paella, tapas. Mm. And it wasn't just the food, though. What was good? was eating it together with people. So eating it with Erica's family in Spain. So good to sit around a table, enjoy good times and eat together. There's something special about eating together. And uh, so we've got lots of good memories, uh, good friends and spending those times. But um, then here we are in this passage here looking at Jesus at a, a dinner party. Look, it is no wonder, is it? that not just Jesus, but others right through the Bible use this image of a dinner party or a banquet or a feast, a wedding feast even, as, as a, a picture to help us get some sense of what the kingdom of God is all about and what it's going to be like one day in that great heavenly kind of experience. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's just a picture, but it's a helpful one. Uh, and it is right through the scriptures. Like uh, we could find many, but just to give you a taste, going back into the Old Testament, Isaiah, here he is. He's looking forward when he talks about uh, on this mountain. So he's looking at Mount Zion and he's saying, The Lord Almighty will prepare a feast. He's looking to this future, a feast of rich fo food for all peoples. Banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, the finest of wines. Pretty descriptive. He's hungry. Uh, but on, on this mountain, he will swallow up death forever. So it's that future heavenly kingdom, right? The, the sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He'll remove his people's disgrace from the earth. The Lord has spoken. This is a sure thing. So it's a, one of those pictures he paints of that future heavenly kingdom. Jesus, of course, not just here. There's that time in Matthew chapter 8 where there's a Roman centurion who shows exceptional faith in Jesus more than the Jews were, the people that probably should have been, right? And, and uh, Jesus says, I say to you that many will come, this is Matthew 8, 11, the next one, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west, so all kinds of people from all over the place are going to come, they will take their places at the feast with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, with the... Uh, with the, with, the, with the ancestors of, of, of the Jew, Jewish people. People, many from the east and the west, in the kingdom of heaven at this great feast. 
So that's Jesus. And then even right through to the end of the Bible, when you're thinking about John's vision in Revelation of the future kingdom. So Revelation 9.9, I picked this one out. It says, that the angel said to me, so this is his vision, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. So that's just a taste. But there it is, you know, right through the scriptures. Why do you think feasts or banquets are so important in the Bible for painting a picture of the future? I mean, I guess we can sense it's that joy and the fellowship and the uh, just the, I don't know, it's, it's wonderful, isn't it? A good, a good meal. Now, there are many other pictures and ideas through the Bible to give us a, an idea of what the kingdom of God is like and what the future heavenly kind of kingdom of God that experience is going to be like can you think of some some other pictures that we're given pardon line with the lamb how beautiful that kind of the broken creation kind of made right and new and safe again what else can you think sorry no sickness no death no tears no crying there's talk about a perfect city. There's talk, you know, that beautiful city with all the gems and the, the river of life and, 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 and all the rest. There's, there's that one, the house with many rooms. Remember that one? The, what, they all tell us different things about the future kingdom. But here, here we've got this, this idea of a feast, a banquet, a dinner party. I like this one. What about you? It's good, isn't it? It's good. So let's, uh, let's look a bit more closely then at Jesus' story about this great banquet to see what this one tells us about God's kingdom. Uh, I note that there's a similar story in Matthew 22, uh, if you want to look at it later. But, uh, you know, the, the, the story of the great, this great banquet starts in verse 15, but those first verses provide, of this chapter provide important context for us. And if you just look quickly at verse 1, you've got, so this is a Sabbath. This is what's going on when Jesus tells this story. It's a Sabbath. So, and, and Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee and who was being carefully watched. Uh, that's what's going on here. Okay? So, um, you know, there's this idea that he's at this dinner party. It's not so much a heavenly banquet at this point, but this occasion when he's being carefully watched. You know, uh, what's going on here? I mean... It's like with the Pharisees, maybe this dinner invitation was more, of, more like less of a really warm invitation, more of a superficial kind of uh, nicety so that they could get him amongst them and carefully watch him. They want to catch him out. That's what's going on. You, can, you get the idea. You go back to chapter 11 in Luke's Gospel <coughs> and uh, Jesus has just attended a different dinner party at the invitation of another Pharisee. It gets a bit ugly in there. You can read it later. But you get to verses 53 to 54 of Luke 11. And it says that when Jesus went outside after that dinner party, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something he might say. Right? So this is what's going on here. They're watching him closely. And we're not going to go carefully through all those first verses in chapter 14 that Erica read just a minute ago. But um, at this dinner party, Jesus is challenging 
some of their ideas about what some of the ideas that the religious leaders that the Jews had about what the kingdom of God was like and going to be like right he's challenging them so for example he heals this man it says who has abnormal swelling and you can try and work out what that is but you know he obviously wasn't well Jesus heals him even though it was a Sabbath right so that was kind of like not what it was you're not supposed to do stuff on the Sabbath, right? That was what the Pharisees were on about. But by doing that, what did you show them? By, that it's more about compassion. It's more, the kingdom of God is, has a lot more to do with mercy than it has to do with rules or laws. That's what he's say, saying. And that's a bit uneasy for them. They like their rules and laws. Then a bit further on, he notices them. Do you remember when Erica read? He notices them choosing the places of honour at the dinner table, right? Now, I don't know about you. In our culture today, people don't tend to go for the important spots, do they? I mean, if we invite people to dinner, often they'll, they'll kind of stand back and say, where do you want me to sit? And you say, just sit anywhere, you know. But in those days, this was a thing, right? And so Jesus told a sto- story when he observed them doing that to teach them that the kingdom of God isn't about self-promotion it's about humility it's about humility and then later on at that uh, at that at this dinner party Jesus suggests to them he looks around and he says you know what you shouldn't just be inviting your friends or your family or important people to try and kind of promote yourself he says actually what you should be inviting the poor and the crippled and the lame the people that nobody else wants, the blind, the people that aren't going to be able to pay you back. Why? Because the kingdom of God is all about generosity. Mercy, humility, and generosity. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, and I think that's what the kingdom of God is about, I'm thinking, that's pretty good, right? And that's the ideas that we're used to, and we value that. But quite clearly, for more than a few of those present at this dinner party on this day, that was more than a little bit unsettling because it didn't fit with their ideas. Humility instead of self-promotion. It's not something they can control. Generosity. Uh, it was difficult for them. So you can kind of, you can imagine them sitting there, you know, they've pretended to be polite, inviting him to this meal and he hits them with all this kind of awkward you can imagine them squirming in their seats a little bit and 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 then one of them breaks the tension by making a statement and that brings us to the beginning of you know this section in verse 15 he says something about which he does feel comfortable right which is of course his own participation in God's heavenly feast as a good Jew right so Jesus just said this about inviting the crippled people and the blind and so on and and you know probably an awkwardness and verse 15 when one of those at the table with him heard this he said to Jesus blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God which is ever so true and you can imagine as a Pharisee as a good Jew as a son of Abraham as someone with clearly good religious credentials right good earning good status he would have appeared the one who said this amongst this group of good religious Jews he would have appeared to have been a perfect candidate for the great heavenly banquet but maybe maybe he shouldn't be so sure maybe he shouldn't be so sure because 
in response to that, and it says in response, it's not a question, I don't think, but Jesus replies uh, with a story. And this is a story that holds a serious warning as well as a great big invitation. Okay? And uh, so we're going to look at that. But before we do, let me just ask, how do you feel? How confident are you? How confident are you about being present at that great heavenly banquet? This guy was pretty confident. Um, Actually, I hope you are confident. I hope you are confident. But not because of some sense of entitlement or, you know, being good enough, like, you know, the, the case with this person here. But I hope that you have a confidence that rests on a deep and humble awareness of the generous mercy of God through Jesus Christ and of that invitation, that big welcome that, that he that he offers to all who would understand that it is just by faith, just by trusting him alone in his grace, in his generous gift through Jesus. So I hope you've got confidence, but I hope that that's where it lies. And that's, that's the end of the message, actually. I mean, that's what this is about. But anyway, we'll keep going. We'll look at what he says. Okay. Uh, whatever's going on, let's keep, our, let, okay, let's keep our hearts open to whatever God might want to say to any of us this morning. Can we do that? So let's look at what happens. We've got, um, you know, a, um, a, um, a shaky assumption. Now we've got a rejected invitation. <laughs> so verses 16 and 17, we'll have a look at them again. So it says, Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. So what kind of a banquet was this that was being prepared? A great banquet with many guests. Okay? So there's the picture. But of course, the scandal, as we know, and we're about to read again, is that many of those originally invited, all of them, uh, reject that invitation when the time comes. So verses 18 to 20. Gee, um, but, but, but come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, just bought a field and uh, I must go and see it. Please excuse me. I think I've got, did I do slides for this? No, that's all right. Not your fault. Um, it's in the Bible anyway, just look in there. Um, they began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. Now, first thing to notice here is that this is a last minute refusal. Right? They've, had, they've actually had plenty of warning. It tells us here that invitations first went out when the banquet was being prepared. Right, what has happened now is you can imagine uh, they can't just go to Woolies or like they had to slaughter the animals and prepare it and cook it all up, set the table, and this is a great banquet, a lot of preparation going on here. Um, everything is ready, the table's set, and then you know word goes out, say, okay, ready now, and then the excuses come in. That's what's going on here, okay? And uh, like they look pretty lame, don't they? The excuses. Um, 
What have we got? Are you, are you going to go and look at a field after you've bought it or before you buy it? I mean, maybe if you bought this field and you're excited about it, you want to go look at it, right? But surely that could wait. Uh, and, you know, some people reading this even suggest that it wasn't just the person wanted to go look at their field. It was almost like an intentional insult to say that this, even this field of mine is more important to me than, my, than you, than my relationship with you. So maybe that was even it. And then you look at the oxen. You go, well, you, you're going to want to make sure they can do the job before you buy them, aren't you? You know, want to go and try them out, it says. Well, again, maybe you're just excited. You've got your new oxen. I know I'd be like that if I got my new oxen. And, but, but, you know, it could wait, couldn't it? It could wait. And especially if you said you're going to go. And then you've got the guy who just got married. And, you know, maybe he's... He says, I just got married, I can't come. Well, maybe he's kind of thinking about that whole, you would have heard of this, some of you, that Deuteronomy, I put it up 24-5. Have we got that one? I think I did that one. Maybe I didn't. There it is. If a man is recently married, uh, this is an Old Testament thing. If a man is recently married, he must not be sent to war or have any other duty laid on him. For one year, he's to be free to stay at home and bring happiness to the wife he is married. For one year. Wow. Eric, you've got like 35 years I've been making you happy. Okay. So maybe, maybe, um, maybe you know, he's kind of wanting to draw on this kind of idea. But, um, but, I mean, that sounds like, I mean, that's military duty and it sounds like maybe other significant responsibilities are going to take you away for an extended period of time. I don't think, that doesn't look to me like it's an excuse it's a way out of any kind of social interaction or any kind of obligation at all in that time and and you know this guy he doesn't even say please excuse me like the other two he just says i can't come i can't come he kind of dispels even the the the, the kind of um appearance of niceties now we live in interesting times don't we i i'm obviously i'm old-fashioned i'm over 50 that's probably why but I still think that last-minute refusals are pretty poor form in any culture. Um, it's kind of the way things operate these days, I know, but I struggle with it. But, um, but a culture like this, a culture like this where honour and those social connections were absolutely paramount, uh, this would have been atrocious behaviour. And uh, um, I mean, I'm thinking about for the record, um, if you are having a feast or a dinner party and you invite me uh, to, to come along and be part of it, I'm going to probably be there. I love food, right? And uh, I will change things to be there. Um, Neil and Rhonda are in the front row here. We sometimes have meetings at their place like a growth group leaders or whatever might get together and meetings, you know, meetings are good, you know. But if it's at Rhonda and Neil's place, there's always going to be even just a nice little afternoon tea and I want to, like, it's good. And, and that's, I mean, it's not really a great feast, but it's pretty good. And I want to be there, right? Um, so it, it's, it's a bit strange, really, this idea of, it's hard to understand that these people don't want to be at this great banquet. That's what I'm saying. But the edge in all this, of course, 
is that that's actually what's going on here with Jesus, you know, in terms of Jesus' original audience here with the Jews, with the religious leaders, with the respectable religious people of the day. They were originally invited. They were Abraham's descendants. God had blessed them. He had given them his laws so they'd know how to be his people. He'd blessed them in all kinds of ways through history and they kind of mucked it up. But here they are in Jesus' day. They're the invited one and uh, they're not really accepting the invitation are they that's arrived in Jesus um, you know the banquet's ready and it's way better than what they had in mind way better in Jesus um, but they, they they're not wanting to accept it they don't like his style you know this whole business of healing people on the Sabbath you know uh the rules they like the rules because we can control things there can't we we're in control um, they don't like him challenging their pride they don't like him telling them that they should be inviting the poor and the sick and the needy to their dinner parties and so you know they, they want that religion that religion right with the laws and the rules where they can control things where they can show that they're the ones you know that's what they'd rather have so here it is jesus is saying here my invitation has arrived god's invitation has arrived in me jesus is saying don't refuse it don't miss it he's saying to them so what do we take well we go well let's make sure we don't miss the invitation and we're going to think about what that might look like how might we miss the invitation uh, I mean, one obvious way is we've got to make sure we don't let things like possessions or career or even relationships, right? Things that are good in their own right. Uh, just look forward. I mean, Jesus says some pretty heavy things. Verses 26 and 27 is where he says, if anyone comes to me and doesn't hate their father or mother or wife or children. Now, we know from other parts of the Bible that he wants you to not use faith as an excuse for neglecting responsibilities. So what's he saying here? He's saying... Jesus has to be the loving God and trusting him has to be the most important thing. That's what he's saying. And uh, we've got to make sure, you know, I mean, let's, just, let's, let's, um, let's assume that the ones that refused this invitation in the story weren't just actually intentionally trying to be rude, but they were just getting distracted by things, right? Let's make sure we don't get distracted by things, even things that can be good in their own right. We've got to... We've got to be able to trust Jesus. We've got to be able to put him first and uh, trust him with the rest. And no lame excuse. We're good at excuses for not trusting God, aren't we? I am. Maybe you're not. I am. I can always think, I can make stuff up. I'm pretty good at it. I think it's a human trait. I don't think it's just me. Okay, trust God. We've got to trust God and not put other things first. Okay, let's look at the... Uh happens next in the story verses 21 to 23 i've called it a scandalous invitation and it is so verses 21 to 23 the servant came back and reported this to his master so reports to the host of this dinner party that everyone's making these excuses to not come right the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. 
And the master said, told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. The house will be full. The banquet is going to happen. And so if the important and respectable people don't want to accept the invitation, that is not going to limit the host. If the religious leaders don't want to accept the invitation in Jesus, that is not going to limit God. That is what we're hearing here. So the invitation, it goes out. It goes out to the streets and the alleys of the town. So that is kind of like the socially destitute, the lame and the crippled, the people that nobody else wants. They're welcome in Jesus' great, God's great heavenly banquet, in Jesus' great heavenly banquet. Uh, and then that's not enough. Then go out, he says, go out of the city to the roads and the country lanes. I mean, the net couldn't be spread more widely. So you can imagine for the Jews, it's about being a Jew, and, and, and Jesus is saying, well, actually, this banquet is just for anyone who wants to accept my invitation. That's what he says. This is God's invitation. He wants to welcome all who would come through faith in Jesus. Right? Not just not just Jews, not just the respectable people. All who would come through faith in his son Jesus. Now, if you are thinking this is a this is just something that changed when Jesus came on the scene, you need to know that it has God has always been like that. Right from the start. God's heart has always been for all people. So if you, even if you go right back to Genesis, the first book in the Bible, when, when God chose Abraham, right, and said, you and your descendants, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to give you a land, I'm going to give you, you many descendants, he, he says very clearly, Genesis 12, 1 to 3, I'm going to do this so that you can be a blessing to the nations. That was God's plan from the start for all people. It goes right through the Bible. The other thing that goes right through the Bible is there has always been a very special place for the poor and the needy in God's kingdom. Always. Always. Uh, Isaiah 61.1, I pulled out here. Luke 6.20-21. It's everywhere though. You go have a look. Um, but despite this being God's way through history, in Jesus' by the time Jesus was walking uh, both Jews and non-Jews found this hard to believe that this would be God's way right? and so you can even read here it took special pleading to convince people to come in when the, when the invitation went out it was like bring them in it even says compel them in compel them in right Special pleading. This is, this is news. This is hard to believe. And yet this is God's way. The scandal of the invitation of God. It's not this special people. It's all who will come to him through faith in Jesus. You know what? I think people today can still find this difficult to, to really get. Do you think? I mean, I think when we think about ourselves, we can feel that way. So that's the other one. one. One problem we've got is distractions, right? Another problem we, we can have is, why would God actually want me? Is that you? I can. there's lots of people that have this. Like if God really knew my heart, if God knew what I'd done, 
he wouldn't want he wouldn't really want me but the message here is what forgiveness and love and a big invitation and a warm welcome for anyone who actually knows that they don't deserve the big trick is knowing you don't deserve it right the humility of throwing yourself at the mercy of God in Jesus right? this, is the, this is why it's a scandal a really good person who thinks they deserve it who thinks that you know I mean, this is a mistake we can make too isn't it we might think we're okay and a lot of us have lived pretty good lives maybe we haven't done anything really dastardly you know and we kind of try to be good and that's awesome but if we then kind of slip into that thing where it's like well god of course god would want me right i'm not bad you know and i don't know if we'd say it or think it quite like that but that kind of idea but that 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 puts us in the same basket basket as the pharisees really here right we think of pharisees as the bad ones and in some ways they were pretty painful but in other ways they were pretty good they actually were respectable tried to do the right thing trying to honor god um so we can make that mistake too um what have we got to do we got to let go there's all kinds of mistakes we can make and this isn't there but the way in is beautiful and generous on god's part right all we got to do we got to let we got to let go of any foolish self-assurance that it's about me being good enough or god owing it to me or something we've got to recognize our desperate need our brokenness our need for grace the generosity of god that's what we all we got to do and we just need to be willing to abandon ourselves to his mercy because the kingdom of god's about mercy uh, the love of god that is bigger than we can understand higher and deeper and wider than we can possibly imagine and on that basis alone on that basis alone understand that anyone and everyone is welcome that's what this series is called isn't it god's welcome because luke wants that to be clear that this was what jesus was about well i don't know if there's a story that makes that more clear than this one god's big welcome what kind of banquet is god planning a great banquet a big banquet with many many people that kind of he wants a full house and you know what he's going to get it he's going to get it he will have a banquet it's likely to be surprising who will and won't be present look again at verse 24 i tell you not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet ah. but the big message is it's all about grace grace means the undeserved favor of god god offering us this wonderful invitation that we do not deserve that's that's what he's about uh, you know earning things is nice isn't it? it it's kind of a good feeling i've 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 worked hard i've earned this thing and that's not always a bad thing earning things but when i am honest with myself and i think about what i'm like actually and when I think about the holiness of God, the holiness and the goodness and the glory of God, I am so glad. I'm so thankful that the kingdom of, the kingdom of God is all about grace. It's grace. What about you?
So let's let go of any foolish pride. Let's let go of any hesitation about approaching God in humility through Jesus, through faith in Jesus. Let's rest, let's rest, let's have confidence in, let's rest in the beautiful grace of God in Jesus as his people, his beloved people. And as a church, let's make sure that all who brush up against us, individually, but also as a community here, that they too would experience the overflow of that grace. Never would they experience, you know, legalism or judgmentalism. The love that welcomes all sorts of people, no matter how broken. Shall we pray? We need God's help. Heavenly Father, you are good to us in so many ways, not least, well, especially through your Son, Jesus. Your goodness through Jesus, your generosity undeserved, that beautiful welcome that, that, that you want to offer each and every one of us and all those we might imagine or know. In Jesus' name, we pray that you would help us to understand a little bit more your grace and that you would, through us, help others come to know your grace. In Jesus' name and by your spirit, we pray. Amen.